0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is doing great and amazing things. You may be seated. Real quickly, I just want to mention uh, this Saturday. Of course, I know there's a youth thing Friday night. There's going to be a a special speaker. Pray for our speaker that's coming in, Evan and Natalie Mendoza. God gives them a safe flight in, and they'll be with the youth Friday night. They'll be, of course, preaching on Sunday. We're looking forward to Revival Sunday, but Saturday night at 7 we're going to have actually two places where we 're going to be praying. Uh, many of you will come here uh, and pray here at seven and i 'm um, um, assuming one of our pastors will be here to to help with that because i 'm going to be in Blair at that same time with a team praying and I was talking Monday night with Brother Terry and some other other men that were gathered, and we feel a burden to go. And pray in Blair as well. So invite some of you to come here and pray at 7. And some of us are going to be going there uh, in Blair to pray at 7. So two places, same time, praying together in unison. Amen? So if you're able to make it, please be here Saturday night for some uh, church prayer uh, together. Weather permitting, Lord willing, we'll all be uh, experiencing the presence of God. And then, of course, Revival Sunday. Looking forward to that. Amen. At this time, we're going to go ahead and dismiss our children, our youth, ladies, all that is a part of what's going on on this Wednesday night, and thank you for all of our staff that helps out. Let's give all of our staff a great big hand. Come on. They do a great job. Youth staff and children staff and all of them, thank you. Nursery staff, thank you so much. Amen and amen. Praise God. Well, Brother Joey, are you ready, sir? Brother Joey Carlson has a timely ten tonight, and uh, let's get behind him and believe God's going to speak to our hearts in Jesus' name.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, as he had thanked, you know, everybody a part of the church, I also thank this man of God as well, and just the uh, pastoral team. Um, so, when I, when I think about the energy, the effort, the time, and the prayer that the pastoral team does here at the Church of Omaha. Uh, I'm humbled. So, Um, But uh, yeah, the the past few preachings and teachings have uh, really got a hold of my soul. And Bishop, man, this guy, he aspires to accomplish so much in the kingdom of God, uh, to have a dream, right, to make missions more than a mortgage. And he has a dream, right, that the church will be the church. And he has a dream that families would make altars in their homes. And he has a dream, right, that we'd set all our Differences aside. So I'm just I'm, I'm thankful for a pastoral team that gets behind that dream. Because in Proverbs uh, 29, verse 18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keeps the law happy is he. So I started thinking about how am I going to play a part of this dream? And I asked the question, God, what do you want me to do? What does this look like in my life for me? Where do I even start with this? How do I go about accomplishing it? And my first step that I took was I, I prayed, right? And I, and I believe God has a word for me and for, for all of us. So God brought me to uh, 2 Kings chapter 4. And uh, I'm going to read it out of the ESV. Uh, it's 1 through 7. It says, Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elijah. And this cry translates like a thunder. So it was an extremely loud cry. And then she goes on to say, your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be as slaves. And Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And he said, and she said, your servant has nothing in the house except for a jar of oil. Then he said, go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and she shut the door behind him and her sons. And as she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her sons, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt. And you and your sons can live on the rest. And so my title is Increasing Capacity. Let's all pray together. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you do for us. God, I pray that as we move as your hands and feet, we'd be humbled enough to go where you call us to go. Open our understanding and let us see your kingdom and your will be done in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. So with that question in mind of how can I do this, how can I accomplish God's will, the pastor's dream, God's heartbeat? into my life for some odd reason god had brought me to this story this woman she has a need her life is in distress she's overwhelmed by her debt her children are about to become slaves because of this death and debt and debt and this death has overcome her so i'm i've never experienced that but i'm sure some of us have in this room or debt (laughs) life's a crazy thing and then on top of all of that how am I going to fulfill God's kingdom while I have a family to provide for? I have a business or a job to complete. I have a home to take care of. I have bills that need to be paid. I have all these life events and it could be overwhelming and chaotic. And so we learned from this woman's story, the first, tip, first step to take is letting your problems be made known to the man of God in your life. And then also first and foremost, Jesus. So I've had a recent moment where I went to God and I was like, do you see me? Like I'm, I'm so overwhelmed and I feel like I'm going to die a spiritual death with what's, what's surrounding me. So I made it known I was real with him. I cried out in time of desperation. So we need to cry out with a sense of urgency. So the next thing that happened is Elijah asked her in verse two is what shall I do for thee? Tell me what hast thou in the house? And Elijah could have asked her, what can I give you? Elijah could have asked her, what do you want me to say on your behalf to God? But instead, the man of God asked her, what do you already have? What do you have in your home? And her reply sort of boggled my mind. And I've also had the same perspective as well. But she says, thine handmaid hath not, well, this is King James Version. <laughs> uh, she replies, thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. And that would have translated that save a pot of oil would have been a small flask of anointing oil. So we need to utilize the anointing that God has given your spiritual home. Start using what may seem insignificant. Maybe your talents, maybe your ability to listen seems small. Maybe your ability to just be patient seems small or even smile when life's crazy seems small. Use the small anointing that God has put in you. So she made her cry known and then she used what she had. And notice, I, and, and so she had to also listen and obey um, when she asked and cried out in, in, in desperation. So oftentimes, I've had desperate moments within my family, uh, within my marriage, within my company, and, and I cry out to God, and he tells me what I need to do next. Maybe I go to the man of God, and he says, hey, this is the direction you need to go. And, and the key word is listening and obeying, um, so maybe it's sitting down for a fast or, or just sitting down for five minutes and being thankful for the current situation that you're currently in. So God, he, he, he wants to connect with us and others. He wants to show us his will in our lives, but we have to be willing to listen. Elijah knew that her distress was overwhelming. Elijah knew that she had what she thought was to little, no meaning, but that's all she needed. The next part's amazing because this is where it gets good. And I mean, every, every scripture's good. Um, he then next goes to her, well, tells her, go to your surrounding neighbors, the people who have witnessed you and your loss and ask for more vessels. I thought that was interesting, but not just one, but many. And she did. And we have, we as individuals, we have earthen vessels, right? And it says in, in 2 Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness Of the power will be of god and not from ourselves and god's asking his church in order to thrive we must first see what we already have in us that little amount that she thought was just a small amount a small vessel with some anointing oil and that's all she needed so we need to reach out to the surrounding neighbors and our pastor if you will the community of god and take our abilities and talents god has given us and ask for more vessels Ask for more of what can I offer to the kingdom of God? How can I pray more? How can I read more? How can I serve more? How can I evangelize more? How can I be a part of God's vision in the midst of my crazy life? So, Next is the miraculous that happened. So we, we don't just ask for more. We don't ask just for a little because God has so much more for his people. And as we pour out, God will continue to pour in and fill all the other vessels in our lives. Just
0: Brother Joe, I appreciate that tonight. Amen. I want to increase my capacity. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, would you join me in the book of Mark chapter number 11? Good to see everyone here tonight and uh, thankful for what God is doing in our lives. Amen. Mark 11, and I'll begin reading at verse 20. Amen. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter calling to remembrance said unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. Therefore I say unto you, what things, soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. And if you have ought against any, that your Father, also which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Tonight I want to teach on this uh, subject and title it, What's Hindering your prayers. Amen. Lord Jesus, this is your church, not mine. You and your word alone can save us and deliver us and heal us. And you know every need. You know every struggle and issue. Your word is anointed and appointed for this moment. Now, on the authority of your word, I bind every spirit of hindrance and loose your anointing to fill this place. Uh, without you, God, I am nothing. So let there be a demonstration of your spirit and power. Confirm your word with signs following, and let me walk in your spirit and not in my flesh. Thank you for letting me minister to your church. And everybody said, "In Jesus' name, Amen." Now, earlier in this chapter, Mark eleven, you'll find if you if you read this, and you can uh, go there uh, tonight later at your own time, and 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 kind of get some of the backstory. Uh, Jesus is going into Jerusalem and he's hungry and he sees a fig tree and he wants to get some breakfast and desiring some of its fruit he comes to it and sees that there is no fruit and he curses it. Now interestingly enough Mark also records that the time of figs was not yet. In other words it wasn't the right season. So surely the creator manifested in flesh, would have understood that it wasn't the right season for figs. Surely Jesus, who would have grew up around that area, would have known the seasons and you don't get any fruit from it, you know, Uh, and yet he still cursed it. But after this incident, he goes into Jerusalem and there in the temple He sees the money changers, and he overthrows the tables, and he fashions a whip, and and he he has, as the Bible says, zeal for the house of the Lord consumed him. And he said, you've made my house a den of thieves, but its intent was to be a house of prayer for all peoples, and he cleans house quite literally. The next morning when they leave, they pass by the dead uh, fig tree, and Peter who I like to also refer to as Captain Obvious, uh, sees the tree and says, Jesus, the tree you cursed is dead. And if I'm one of the disciples standing there, I'm like, well, duh, Peter. I mean, he tells the winds to stop and they stop and he tells the dead to rise and they rise and the blind eyes to open. Of course, a fig tree's going to die if he cursed it. You know? Um, but I don't know if, if it was an awkward moment. I don't know if Peter was feeling awkward or not, but he, he makes this statement to, uh, to Jesus, and then Jesus uses it to teach a lesson. And that was, of course, the text that I, I read to you tonight. This passage has been a passage that has intrigued me uh, for many years. I've studied it, read from it, preached from it, um, and as I've studied and prayed, and spe- specifically for tonight's message, God kept bringing me back to it, speaking into my, into my spirit that within this account, there were lessons that I needed to learn and to share and to teach with you. So thus my title tonight, What's Hindering Your Prayers? God showed me three things that hinder our prayers and also helped to explain so I could understand them that we uh, need to work on these so that we will be successful in His kingdom. But in order to also help understand it, we need to look at one more scripture. Let's go to Mark 12. So the next chapter over, Mark 12, and verse 28 through 31. Mark 12, 28 through 31. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, him being Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandment is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And without skipping a beat or maybe even taking a breath, Jesus went on to say, and the second is like... It, namely this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So using these two passages, Mark 11, 20 through 26, and Mark 12, and uh, specifically verse 30, but this passage, God showed me three things that hinder our prayers. Number one, a lack of forgiveness will hinder our prayers. And this corresponds to loving God with all our heart and soul. Okay. And so we're going to see that tonight. That's why the other passage, heart, soul, mind, strength, a lack of forgiveness. If you do not forgive, God will not forgive you. That is plainly spelled out in numerous scriptures throughout the New Testament. Matthew carries it in in what is called Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Mark records it. Uh, Luke records it. It is throughout scripture. Um, And it only needs to be said one time, quite frankly, to be uh, believable and to be part of the Word of God. And we know since God can't lie and since His Word is forever settled in heaven, we have to forgive. In fact, one of the greatest hindrances to answered prayer is unforgiveness. You can live with a broken limb or have a deadly disease and still go to heaven. But unless you have forgiven others... You can be in perfect health and not make it to heaven. It's important. We often celebrate the physical miracles that God does. And rightly we should. Thank God for any miracle He does. But what about the emotional miracles? What about the mental and spiritual miracles that are not seen? It's easy to see if if a broken arm is healed or, or some other physical thing. But what about the heart that's broken that's mended? You can't see that. You might see the results of that maybe, but you can't see that. You can't hide a broken limb, uh, but you might be able to hide a broken heart. And so often, the emotional trauma that holds us and, and holds people hostage is quite frankly a lack of forgiveness. Yeah. Yep. It's been wisely said over and again, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover that prisoner was you if you hold on to resentment for someone else or some other person you're actually binding yourself to that person emotionally but in reality you're binding yourself in chains and yet forgiveness is the key to unlock those chains and set you free I believe forgiveness is one of the greatest ways to reveal Jesus Christ to others. So, how about we be like Jesus tonight and forgive others, right? How about we be like Stephen and forgive others? Forgiveness will affect our prayer life and it will affect our faith if we're not careful. Because, where do we get our strength from? From His Word, from prayer right? Hearing the word of God increases our faith, right? Faith comes by hearing by the word of God, right? Prayer is that communication with God that builds our inner man. Praying in the Holy Ghost, Jude said, building up yourself on your most holy faith. So if, if a lack of forgiveness is hindering my prayer, then my faith is going to take a hit too. And that segues into the second thing God showed me that hinders our prayers and that's a lack of faith. So heart and soul, right? We love God with all of our heart and soul. That's forgiveness. And our mind, that's faith. Faith is built upon your forgiveness because it takes faith in God to remove the mountain of debt from your offender. I I taught last week, and I showed you how that that our offense to God in the parable He used in modern day economy would be $8.6 billion. That's a lot of debt. Right? And yet the debt owed to that man, that servant, was less than $15,000. That's not a lot of debt. Especially in comparison one to the other. My debt, my sin, was $8.6 billion, if I could use that terminology. And yet God wiped the slate clean. The Bible says He forgives us of all iniquity. He didn't leave one penny of that debt on my record. Right? And yet, how do we come to salvation? For by grace are you saved through faith. It takes faith to believe that God is real, that God exists, and that He will erase the $8.6 billion worth of sin that I've committed. It also takes an equal amount of faith for me to give, forgive $14,000 worth of debt to someone who's offended me. And it takes faith for them to also ask. Because again, using that parable from last week, that man who owed the $8.6 billion, you know, fell down on his feet, you know, begged for forgiveness, begged for, for clemency, begged for a chance, and the king forgave. The servant that he went to did the same thing, and yet he chose not to forgive. He had faith to believe that the king would forgive him, but he didn't have faith to forgive somebody else. And so... A lack of faith is also going to hinder our prayers. You have to have faith that God is who He says He is. And that He rewards those who diligently seek Him and His grace. It is that kind of faith that produces miracles where you experience God casting all of your sins into the depths of the sea, like it says in Micah. The Bible tells us in Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12, that that God takes our sins away from us as far as the earth is from the heavens. Well, where's the end of the heavens? (laughs) Right? How far is the east from the west? It's immeasurable. That's the point. It's metaphor to let us understand. It's immeasurable. That's how far He takes it from us. When He forgives, it takes faith to believe that. It takes that same faith that to believe that God does it to, and that we then are to forgive others. And so we have to change our mindsets. And watch this. Here's part of the point that God began to show to me. Jesus knew it wasn't the right season for those, for those figs to be uh, birthed. But what He was showing was that with faith... You can have a miracle out of season. Well, can, can I prove it to you? Because Jesus came first and foremost to the lost tribes of Israel. When He sent His apostles out, He sent them to Israel. Now, we know He was coming too to save Gentiles. We know that. But... A centurion one day. A Roman centurion. A representation of the power that was, that was taxing them, that was enslaving them, that was killing them. A pagan who worshipped his ancestors and multiple gods came to him and he said, I've heard you can do miracles and my servant is sick and if you'll just speak the word. Because I'm a man in authority and I'm a man under authority and Jesus is amazed by this man's faith that he believes enough in me that all I have to do is say the word and it happens. And that man, out of season, got a miracle because of his faith. There was a woman from Tyre and Sidon or... Syrophoenician woman, uh, some texts uh, say in the, in the footnotes, she came to Jesus. She was from that land of, of Canaan down there, uh, and, and she comes to Jesus. And My daughter is vexed with the devil. She's a Gentile. This is an interesting passage because Jesus initially ignores her. And so she goes to the apostles. Hey, please, please have the master do this. They come to Jesus and say, will you please do something to get her off our back? And Jesus says to them, I've not come but for the lost tribes of Israel. But that doesn't detour her. Oh, please, Master. He even goes as far as to suggest she's a dog. As some of us would have walked away a long time ago and said, forget it. I'm not believing. But there was a faith within her. My daughter's vexed with the devil. I know you can heal. I know you can save. I know you can deliver. Even the dogs lick up the crumbs, master. I just need a crumb is all I need. And Jesus is moved by that faith. That out of season. Hmm. And so the point and the principle of this fig tree was that out of season you can have a miracle, but forgiveness will or unforgiveness will hinder that prayer, and and a lack of faith will hinder that prayer. We've got to believe that God is who he says he is, and that he can do whatever he says he will do. Mm. The Jews lacked faith. Because they had twisted the Scriptures, the scrolls, the the Torah, to fit their opinion. The rabbinical writings, sometimes called the Talmud, they had twisted that, that was their commentary on it, to to believe something that Scripture did not support. So when Jesus comes, and He's not this warrior that they're looking for. He's a false prophet. He's blasphemous. And yet their very scrolls prophesied He would be a lamb. Their very scrolls prophesied that He would be uh, not comely to look at. Their very scrolls prophesied that He would die and hang on a cross. Their very scrolls prophesied that He would ride on, on a donkey into Jerusalem. And yet they had twisted that to either not include those or to somehow make it about something else. And their lack of faith. He did not many mighty miracles in Nazareth. Why? Their unbelief. Who's this guy think? This is Joseph the carpenter's son. What's he talking like that for? Who does he think he is? Read it. They, the Bible says they took him out. They were going to throw him off a cliff. They were going to kill him. He goes to Capernaum and he preaches the same message and they're sitting there going, Man, did you hear that? Wow, his words with power. Watch this. Not many miracles in Nazareth because of their unbelief. In Capernaum, every sick person was healed and every demon-possessed person was delivered. What was the difference? Faith. And a lack of faith will hinder our prayers. You have to think differently in God's kingdom. Samaria was even out of season. The Jews hated the Samaritans. Let's just imagine for a minute that, you know, this is, this is a point in Israel. And we'll say Samaria is the middle of the platform right behind the, the pulpit. And we'll say that where I'm going, uh, let's say that's Jerusalem. I'm in northern Israel and that's in Jerusalem. Jerusalem the shortest distance for me to get to the piano is to walk a straight line, correct? But they hated him so much that they would avoid it and go way out of their way because they hated Samaria so much they didn't want to go through Samaria to get where they would. They would add an extra day or two to their travel just to avoid it. And one day Jesus says, no, we're going to go through Samaria. Why? I have must needs. I must be there. Something's going to happen there. They, they were half-Jews. They were out of season. Notice that but when Jesus said you're going to be witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, that's all Jews, then Samaritans, right? That's half-Jews, then the uttermost parts of the world, that's the Gentiles. They were out of season. It it wasn't ready. But Jesus is like, I've got to do something down here. Watch. Before He does one miracle, all He does is preach the Word to one woman, a woman of ill repute. All He does is reveal who He is, and she goes into town with the testimony saying, come see a man who told me all about myself, and he stays for two days, and he preaches. Hmm. You know what? I believe that's why when Philip went back and preached that they were open and responsive. That's why it was heard in every village of the Samaritans. Why? Because there was faith to believe that he was who he said he was. Out of season. Mm. You must have faith that God exists. You know, you and I were once alienated in our minds. Colossians 1.21 says, but God reconciled us to himself. Oh, that's why we got to change the way we think. And if he forgive gave me, surely I can forgive others. If he wiped 8.6 billion off the books, surely I can wipe 15,000 off the books. Watch this. Freely you have received Right? If I'm out of the book, just tell me. I don't think I am yet. I'm not going to be either. There's no yet. So scratch the yet. Rewind. (laughs) What was Enoch's testimony? Please the Lord walk with God. Right. We quote Hebrews 11 verse 6 a lot. You know, for without faith it's impossible to, to please the Lord, for he that comes and must believe it exists, and he rewards them diligently seeking. right? Verse 5 and 6 go together. Because verse 5 ends with, for he had this testimony that he pleased God. For without faith it's impossible to please God. Do you see how the connection is? Show me in Scripture where Enoch saw an angel or a bush burnt in front of him or, or you know, the the Some great thing happened. That Show me where he heard the voice of God. It's not there. But something happened at 65 years of age when his son Methuselah was born and he started pleasing God. And for 300 more years, he walked with God and pleased Him. And we don't know anything about whether or not he saw God. But that's a kind of faith that says I'm going to trust Him whether or not I have a goose bump or not. Mm Mmm. Oh, come on. It's easy to trust God when He shows up and angels sing hallelujah chorus. But when you can believe in Him and you haven't had your miracle yet, oh, come on, man. Mm. I'm talking about faith. Hallelujah. So if your prayers are hindered, check to see if you've forgiven those that wronged you. And then check your faith. And whether or not you've had a tangible experience like, like Abraham or some of these others, and you might just be like Enoch, keep believing because he rewards those that diligently seek him. Here's what's cool. Oh yeah, Abraham saw the angel of the Lord. Abraham saw God and, and two of his angels come and visit and talk about, about uh, uh, you know, destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. That's all well and good and great and cool. And, and we call Jesus the, the you know, uh, God of our father Abraham and all of that. I get all that, but, but Abraham died. Enoch didn't. <laughs> See, your miracle may not be like somebody else's, but God may have something better in store for you. Oh, Jesus' name. I know it's Wednesday, but I feel like preaching. Mm. Come on, be like Enoch. Believe whether or not you've had it yet. So what's the third thing? The third thing is a lack of fellowship. So lack of forgiveness, our heart and soul. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Lack of faith, your mind. strength is fellowship. And I don't mean, let's all go to Cane's afterwards tonight. Or, you know, Scooters or McDonald's or Longhorns or whatever else. That's, that is a piece of fellowship. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about serving God. You see, when Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house, Martha was encumbered about with much serving. There's a time for serving people. There's a time for, you know, dusting and cleaning and and whatever else she may have been doing. And when she complained to Jesus, because Mary was sitting at his feet and she thought she was being lazy, Jesus said, "Uh, she's chosen the good part and it will not be taken from her. There's times we need to be like Martha. There's work to be done. We've got to do the work. But when Jesus is in the house, we've got to be like Mary and sit at His feet and take it all in. Ephesus was rebuked by Jesus because while they knew the Lord of the work, or while they were doing a work for the Lord, they had forgotten the Lord of the work. They had left their first love. The sign said church. They were still meeting on Sunday. They still had a pastoral team and a praise team and all the other stuff, but they had forgotten who Jesus was. It was out of ritual and rote rather than relationship. If we're not careful, we'll become like Martha. Well, i got to get this done. i got to get this done. Yeah, but God wants you to pray. Mmm. Mmm. Come on now. If your prayers are being hindered, it could be a lack of fellowship. There's another Mary in the Bible that she chose to wash Jesus' feet with the alabaster box, broke it open. And, and in so doing, she was becoming a, a, a partner, a fellowship with his sufferings. She was preparing him for burial. Didn't even realize what she was doing. Disciples sitting around, and at least one of them, Judas, but maybe more, you know, that money could have been sold and given to the poor. They didn't care about the poor. The focus was off them for a minute and on what this woman was doing. And she wasn't a good woman either. And Jesus is like, let her alone. What she's doing here is going to be told. Come on now. Mm. I'm talking about serving him. You know, the Bible says in, I believe it's in Matthew 25, that um, where Jesus separates the sheep and, 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 and the goats. And he says, you know, I was naked, you clothed me. I was in prison, you visited me. And, and the sheep say, well, when did we do all that? When you've done it to the least of these, right? You've done it unto me. And then on the goats, he, he, the same thing. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. And well, when did we not do that? Well, when you didn't do it to the least of these, right? Well, all of a sudden, God put two and two together the other day when I was praying and showed me, how do we fellowship in his sufferings? Some of us may die, and some of us may die a martyr's death. You know, if that happens, God help us to be faithful to the end. But you know how we fellowship with his sufferings? When we minister to somebody in need, and we don't grab our phone and say, (laughs) look what I'm doing. When we just minister to them and nobody has to notice. And I may not be the volunteer of the month, but uh, come on somebody. You, sir. Somebody's in need. I'm just going to help them. You know what we're doing? We're fellowshipping with his sufferings. Mm. Oh my Lord, have mercy. We're serving others. That's how we partake. When you forgive those who trespass against you, you're doing what Jesus did to you. In other words, you're revealing Jesus to them. What better way to do that? As he hung there. Every medical science says every drop of blood would have, would have been shed from his body. And, and they, they say the proof of that is when the soldier pierced his side and blood and water flowed, for that to have happened, the heart actually had to have broken. The sack around the heart had to have broken. There's a, there's a protective water sack that is around your heart. And, and they say that it's, it's quite possible not a single drop of blood was left in his body. He's hanging there shameful in his nakedness and, and all this blood has been shed. And yet he finds the strength to say, Father, forgive them. Well, they know not what they do. Oh, well, he was God in the flesh. It was easy for him. Don't you dare think it was easy. Yes, he laid his life down. Yes, no man took it from him. But did you know with the power of the Holy Ghost in us, we have the same power and ability to do the same? That's why Romans records that he overcame sin in the flesh. It doesn't say in his Holy Spirit power, it says in the flesh. Mm. that's why Stephen is also an example because he virtually said the same thing while rocks were being hurled at him and hitting his face and hitting him in the chest and he's losing blood and he's about to die. He looks up and he says, lay not this sin to their charge. Ah, You want to be like Jesus? You want to fellowship with His sufferings? Forgive somebody that doesn't ask you. Not a single person throwing rocks that day was saying, hey, will you forgive me? No. Not a single person railing on Him that day. Yeah, come on. If you're the Son of God, come off that cross. Not a single one of them were asking to be forgiven. But He did. Forgives. You want to be like Jesus? You want to be like Stephen? Forgive somebody that don't even ask. Forgive somebody that you think doesn't deserve it. Are there people that have spit in the blood of Jesus and walked away? Of course there is, but he still forgave. Because for every one that turned and rejected him, there's others that have said, oh, "I'm sorry. I would love to meet that centurion." Pastor Lucas, I believe, I I can't prove it historically, but I would, I, I just, there's a part of me that believes that that centurion one day found Jesus. I don't know if it was the same centurion that his servant was healed. I don't know. But for him to recognize truly this was the son of God, something resonated in his spirit. If it was a different one, maybe, maybe those two centurions one day, Brother Sal, were talking and, and they got alone and nobody's around to hear them and, and overhear their conversation. And he's like, yeah, I, I was the one on duty. And man, that man really was the son of God. And, and you're the one that healed his servant. And, and, and Cornelius is hearing us in earshot. And he, he comes over and he goes, guys, who are you talking about? Oh, well, well, we're talking about that Jesus character that was killed, you know. And, and, and Cornelius is feeling something Mm. come on somebody forgive you want to be like Jesus forgive so when God was giving me this message I'll just be vulnerable for a minute and open up to you that there was a part of me that I felt like you know at times my prayers were doing this why God Brother Mac preached something on Sunday and, and shared with us something that was beautiful. Pastor Lucas preached a beautiful message. I shared with you how that those two merged together. But about two weeks ago, God showed me something. The promises of God are yes and they're not yes and no. You ever felt like God says no? If it's related to a promise of his, his promises are yes and amen. Green light, yes. Permission granted and amen. It is settled. It is done. They're not yes and no. And so I got to thinking, well, God, why do I feel like you say no sometimes? Are you ready for this? He said, because I want you to know me. K N O W. And as I begin to know him, I begin to realize, you know what? Maybe I need to forgive. Maybe maybe I haven't forgiven that situation. Maybe my faith has wavered a little bit. Maybe I've not partaken in the fellowship of yours. I begin to look at these things. And so trust me when I tell you I'm preaching tonight, all ten digits on my two hands were pointing at me saying, God, I want to be right. I want to know you. Not only in the power of your resurrection, but in the fellowship of His sufferings. I want to know Him. Why, why is it important to know Him? And more importantly, be known of Him. Because Jesus many times would share a parable, and He would talk about the end times and how that they'll stand before God in judgment, and He'll say, depart from me, I never There are even people that will claim, well, Lord, we said Lord, Lord in Your name. I didn't know You. I don't just want to come to church and sit on a chair and and say I was here tonight and check mark and, and whoever's keeping attendance mark me down. I want to know Him and I want Him to know me. And if there's something hindering my prayers, I want to get it out so that I have a clear and open channel with the Lord. Every one of you, in some way or another, know how a filter may work. Whether it's a vacuum cleaner filter, your air filter, or a fuel pump filter, or whatever, you know when that gets clogged, you're not running optimally in that vehicle or that machine. But when that filter is clean, it can run pure again. That's what I'm talking about. That place of God, I don't want anything to block that relationship. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so this is what the Lord showed me. Using again Brother Max's message, he, he said something powerful. He said, the best thing that we can do for others is have a relationship with God. You see, most of us do excel at our vertical relationship. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. We've got that down pat. We love God. We're here. We're here on a Wednesday night. You know, it it doesn't matter. We're here. We love Jesus. It's good. But you know where we sometimes need help? The horizontal. Watch. I'm going to read this, this passage from Matthew's gospel, but I'm going to read it in the New Living. I'm in Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. This is paralleling what we read in Mark earlier, okay? Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Listen to verse 39. A second is equally important. These are the words of the Lord. So the King James phrase, like to it, means of equal importance. It's not, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and streak, and that's and this is 10 it's okay let me say it this way marriage is not 50-50 divorce is 50-50 marriage is 100-100 so watch Pastor Lucas it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and equally love your neighbors as yourself here's the problem look at the title screen with me for a minute The very top, not my title, but the forgive in the middle. Forgive others. Part of it is we don't love ourselves. Some of us need to forgive us. We love God. We got that down. This is a great church. I'm blessed. I mean that wholeheartedly. I'm not just saying that jokingly. I really... This is the best church. I'm biased, but I'm right. But this is where we need to work on. And maybe first, making sure this. Let me, let me tell you something. Pastor Trevor, Jesus loves you. And if we have a hard time loving ourselves, it's almost as if we're questioning whether or not he really does. And I know we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and I'm not candy coating sin. And if you sin, please repent. Please find a place to come to an altar, confess and forsake it. That's what these altars are for. Talk to one of the pastoral team members if you need to. I'm, again, I, you know, I'm not trying to preach judgment. Sometimes we do need to face the reality of that, but but the other part of that reality is we have to understand that if he loves me and he's forgiven me that should be enough and so my prayer tonight is that God would help us to love us the way he loves us so that when we reciprocate our love to him it then also flows out to others and Brother Jeff, if, if you've offended me, I can just easily forgive you because I've freely received it. I'm going to freely give it. Oh, hallelujah. Why don't we stand to our feet? And as I pray, I, you, you can pray with me, but I want you to, to also pray for yourself. And, and let me say this. You must love God and others wholeheartedly. Otherwise, you will hinder your prayers. But if you love God entirely and others equally, God will hear and answer your prayers. So Lord Jesus... We do not want to shut up the kingdom of heaven like the Pharisees did. We want our prayers to be heard and not hindered. So help us to forgive ourselves. Help us to forgive others to the same measure that You have forgiven us. Help us to believe even if we don't see signs. For You told Thomas, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Encourage us to put our complete faith and our total trust in You, Jesus. And Lord... Jesus, please, help us to know You. Not only in the power of Your resurrection, but in the fellowship of Your sufferings so that we love You and others as You love us. Jesus. 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 Jesus hallelujah, hallelujah. This is a heavy topic, and I understand that and so, if you need time to pray, I know people kids are going to be coming out here in a minute. I know uh, you know whatever, but if, if you need to pray, please remain here and pray and and you know come back later tonight or or Come back Saturday night and be a part of prayer. Go home and build an altar of prayer. But but let this sink in and know that Jesus loves you. You can love yourself too. And that will help you to not just love Him with all your heart and soul, mind and strength, but to love others so that nothing will hinder your prayers. God bless you in Jesus' name.